I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Here's what I'd like to discuss with you this morning. You know how government leaders often do state-of-the-state speeches? That is, they they give their constituents a, a snapshot overview of where we are in terms of local or state or national politics. Well, on this Labor Day weekend, I thought I'd do the same kind of thing. That is, to give sports parents, coaches, educators, athletic directors, and athletes a sense of where we are today. That is, when it comes to amateur sports here in the United States, I want to provide a forum to talk about how we're doing. In short, where we started from some years ago and where we're headed in terms of athletics for our kids. In short, a state of the state of youth and amateur sports. And, of course, I'll take your calls at one 337 6666 That, of course, is brought to you by Mohegan Sun, full of action, full of possibilities, full of life. Let me put it this way. Today's generation of athletes are playing and, and chasing sports in a much different way than we adults did when we were kids. Now, of course, like, like everything else in life, things change, and often for the better and sometimes for the worse. But my question, my direct question to you today is this. Are we making progress with kids' sports, or are we perhaps going backwards, or maybe we're going in a, a different direction? I mean, there are certain trends that are, if you take a step back and look at all this, there are certain trends that are going on that obviously are, are beginning to make me sort of think, okay, where, where are we going? What's going to happen over the next 5, 10, 15 years? If, if you're uh, a young couple having children today, what are you going to be looking at for your kids when it comes to sports down the road? I mean, look, look at some of these trends I'm talking about. For example... Some of this you already know, but it, it really bears repeating because, again, it indicates a different kind of direction for sports in this country. Obviously, concussions in football, concussions are not new. They've always been around. But, of course, with the sobering research uh, regarding the cumulative effects of concussions in football, there's been a substantial shift. I mean, specifically high school football, youth tackle football programs, the enrollment has continued to decline over the last several years, directly connected to parents and their concerns about concussions for the kids playing tackle football. So what's the future of football? Well, but a lot of studies show that the NFL has reached its peak in popularity some a few years ago. And they do. The ratings for the NFL continues to decline. But that's just tip of the iceberg. Youth soccer enrollment is down as well. Fewer and fewer young kids are playing soccer in this country. And I remember I mentioned this surprising stat on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, but over the years, 
it's always been assumed that parents will lean on their kids to play soccer instead of football because soccer was seen as being safer. No knee injuries, not as many knee injuries, and fewer concussions. But recent surveys suggest that the number of kids playing soccer, well, they're going down in a substantial way as well. Now, of course, concussions are an issue in football and soccer, other sports too. But in addition, I know the interest in golf and in tennis continues to decline in the U.S. A recent study revealed that the number of country and golf clubs continues to go down here, and, and plus the TV ratings for golf and tennis also continue to slide downwards. Plus, quite frankly, most of the people who do watch uh, golf or tennis are over the age of 50. Bottom line, it's as though the, the younger generations of kids who play sports, the, the millennials and the younger kids, they're sort of saying goodbye to these old and ancient and traditional sports because the numbers don't lie. It, the, we're looking at fewer and fewer kids are really following these sports or playing these sports. So what is growing? Well, esports. More and more high schools are embracing video games as these, these so-called quote-unquote sports are growing dramatically in popularity. In fact, I just read last week that the state of Arizona has just announced that they're going to officially hold high school and state championships when it comes to e-games. And, of course, for a number of years, lacrosse has, has grown by leaps and bounds in this country. But now even lacrosse seems to have leveled off in terms of the fact that the sport has become, it's become fully embraced all over the country, not just here as it was had its roots in the Northeast. Anyway, you get the idea. I want to talk about this because, you know, again, if you, you take a step back and try to see the big picture when it comes to youth and amateur sports here, what's going on? How is this evolving? What's the next step? Are we making progress? Are we just sort of churning? Or are we going backwards? one 337 6666 I want to get your thoughts about this because, you know, the purpose of this show is to sort of map and to sort of, you know, spot what these trends uh, to see what's going on with our kids and how best to sort of you know grapple with these issues as they pop up. As we all know, the, the topics we discuss on the Sports Edge, you know, these are topics for the most part didn't exist 15, 20 years ago, but they do now, and they're difficult to grapple with. Okay, let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good, good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Ed? Good. I think one of the big problems, why there's a lot of decline, uh, and I remember Jack Smithlin talking about this a couple week, weeks ago about his son. There's too much specialization. I think that's a big factor why certain sports are going down. I mean, Jack brought up a point that, you know, his sons played three sports. They played all every season. But they still found time to work out for baseball, where it, it's getting to a point right now where people just specialize in whatever sport they want to think of, get, of that big dream of possibly getting a uh, college scholarship or possibly play professionally and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a big issue. And the second thing is, like some of the sports you mentioned, well, these club teams and all that, they're becoming more and more expensive. And I think a lot of the people can't, can't afford the cost. Well, you know, Ed, not surprisingly, because uh, you're on top of this and you're living this, uh, two points you make are good and the things I wanted to touch upon this morning. First of all, the issue of specialization. And this is a very, very complex uh, issue. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned Jack Smithlin, of course, a terrific, terrific guy. And, and uh, his son, Zach, who was a great uh, professional uh, ball player, after, but played a variety of sports. I, I think with a lot of young – the parents today with young kids, they look upon – if Mike, it's so competitive, 
if I have my kids specialize in just one sport at an early age, that's going to give them an advantage over their peers. But the irony is when you look at the guys, the kids who come through the high school ranks, who are the best players, turns out they don't, they don't specialize. If he's a kid's a great football player, he's also probably a really good lacrosse player or baseball player as well. So the myth of specialization is something that this country is still grappling with and, and, and the parents just can't seem to get over that hurdle. And your other point, which is a good one, is the, the, growing, the growing concern, the chasm about the, the haves and have-nots. Uh, you know, the, the sports in this country, because of the advent of club teams, it's really become a question of if, you have, if your kid may be a good athlete or a promising athlete, but it's going to cost a lot of money have those kids play on on, uh, on club teams or travel teams if they want to progress. And I don't know how that's going to get resolved. I mean, it's simple as that. Well, the big thing with the travel teams is all these tournaments you're going to, they get, they're the ones that are increasing. So what happens when they increase, the travel costs go up. Yeah. On that. yeah. So that, you know, there's no, like, happy medium of, like, okay, maybe go two, three, four years of the same cost. And actually, if, if things increase a little bit, then you have to increase. But every year they're going up and up and up and up. And then what happens? The uh, the travel teams have to have to raise their cost. Also, Ed is no question about it, and that is a huge issue. And Ed, thank you as always for your comments. You're right on target. Have a have a great Labor Day weekend. You too. Thanks, my friend. Take care. And 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 Ed's point. That's one of the issues I want to talk about. Twenty years ago. Yeah, there were club teams, but they weren't as expensive. Now we're saying if your kid is a really good athlete, by the time they're in middle school, you know, the mom and dads, uh, you got to dig a little deeper into your pocketbook and say, okay, I'll pay several thousand dollars a year for my kid to be in that club team because that's the only way they're going to keep on advancing. And, again, we've talked about this many, many times. Club teams are not regulated. They're not overseen by the government or any other agency. They can charge whatever they want. Showcases can charge whatever they want, and they do. Why? Because they know there are no kids out there with parents with deep pockets who are going to pay that kind of freight. It's as simple as that. Let's go quickly to Tom over in Brook, Brook, New Jersey. Tom, hi there. You're on the fan. If you had to put your finger on why is baseball really feeling the pinch of other sports, what is it? Why, why is baseball not, not – uh, explain it again, Tom. Why is baseball yeah. the hardest sport to excel at? Yep. And well, it's it's also the best sport for children to learn about life. <laughs> well, all right. First of all, the reason why baseball, uh, and Tom, thanks for the call, the reason why baseball is the most difficult sport to play and to excel at is because there's so many different skills you have to master. You have to learn to obviously uh, develop the eye-hand coordination to, to hit a baseball when it's pitched, uh, the ability to catch a ball, the ability to, to field it and to throw it accurately, to be able to run, the ability to have the cerebral know-how to learn all the arcane rules of baseball and the strategies. It takes a long time to master it. And, of course, everybody knows it's a game based upon failure. It's going to, as Bart Giamatti once wrote, it, the game is designed to disappoint you. You're going to fail most of the time. So not only is it a difficult sport to, to sort of learn how to play and play well, but then again, you're going to fail most of the time. That's a different kind of message for kids today who've grown up, again, on e-games, who love the instant gratification of, of uh, scoring points and moving ahead quickly and, and developing a skill uh, you know, as, as best they can. 
Much different kind of approach to, for baseball, which takes much longer time to really master those, those, uh, those tasks. All right, look, we're talking about the state of the state of sports today in America when it comes to our kids, how things have changed, how things are going to continue to change. Are we making progress? Are we going in the wrong direction? And quite frankly, what are the influences here that are causing issues for us? one 337 6666 I'm taking your calls uh, after some messages and Dave Uram's update. Be right back. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning about uh, where we are in terms of the state of progress uh, in terms of youth sports and amateur sports in this country. Are we really going in the right direction? Are we somehow going backwards? Are we somehow going in a different direction? And, you know, one of the topics uh, was mentioned uh, before the break, what has to do with the fact that uh, sports in this country at the youth level, because of the, the, um, the intrusion of club sports, have become so expensive. And I keep, you know, I keep tabs, obviously, on newspaper articles and, and blogs and so on and so forth from around the country. And, and clearly, this is a rising issue that if your kid is deemed to be a pretty good athlete and they end up on a club team or travel team, uh, that it's going to cost money. And the monies that are charged, are, these are all by for-profit operations. They're there to make money. Uh, and, and, you know, they can charge whatever they want. And since there's a surplus of parents who have kids who want to advance on the club teams, uh, th- this gets very pricey in a hurry. The question is now becoming of, as we develop into a, a country of athletes of haves and have-nots, you know, a lot of uh, families just can't afford uh, the price of club teams. And even though, yes, some of these club programs, and they're very sophisticated and getting very large, uh, they say, well, we offer scholarships uh, for those kids who come from uh, those backgrounds where money is tight. But that's not the answer because obviously, uh, you know, somebody has to pay the freight. And the question I always thought about, are we going to expect at some point for large uh, corporate entities, uh, corporations, are they going to step forward and start to subsidize these club teams and, and kids who want to play on club teams and pay and pay all of their uh, basically what's called you know tuition to be on these teams? Uh, or are we going to expect the American government, the American taxpayers, to step up and put together you know millions of dollars to help subsidize our our kids' programs? You know, my sense is I wouldn't expect any of these things to happen because right now there are enough parents out there who are paying this and, and will continue to pay even though they're basically digging into their kids' piggy bank for college uh, tuition. It, it's, it's really getting to an issue now where, again, we're sort of going into a polarizing uh, uh, program where, I mean, just the other day in the Wall Street Journal, there was a big article about how some really wealthy uh, former professional athletes uh, who are building lavish homes and they have kids of their own now, and they don't. They have. They spend the money to build kids their own, you know, full size soccer uh, soccer pitch, or they're building full size ice hockey rinks for their kids, or or obviously, of course, pools or or, or tennis courts. So a kid's ten or eleven years old, they can just go out in their backyard and and play like the the big leaguers do. But that's obviously just a rare, small percentage of of athletes who can do that for their kids. But what about the rest of us? And that, that's a concern. one 337 6666 Let's go to, uh, over to Red Bank, and Gary's been standing by. Gary, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning there, Rick. Yes, Gary. You know, many a time I've been listening to you, and I never really get a chance to call, but I, I wanted to chime in because of the little cross thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I played football and faithful everything at Red Bank and went to college in 1971 down in Maryland. Yeah. And when I got there, 
Everyone, I was on college, it's called Fraternity Row. Everyone there was on the infield. Everyone was throwing the ball around with this net. And I said, what the hell is going on? He said, that's lacrosse. I'm like, are you kidding? What is lacrosse? I said, we're there, but nobody's throwing the football. Oh, no, we play lacrosse. Everyone's lacrosse. Yes. And they had a six, and I'm watching them going, this, I said, this will be dead in a couple of years. Well, we're, you know, I never heard it. And they started playing. And then there was Maryland Lacrosse Club. They started. Yep. And and I became part. I started writing these things, letters to them. And I'm still a part of that through mail, but I'm in New Jersey. I don't play, but I still support them. And uh, it, it's just amazing how things grow in different areas. Well, Gary, there's no question, and obviously you've lived this uh, firsthand. You know, there was a time back in the 70s where lacrosse was very much sort of a an indigenous sport, the first played by Native Americans, obviously in upstate New York, and it's grown to be, over the years to be, you know, not just the Northeast, but uh, all over the country. And, and, and Gary, thank you for the call. But the point is that all of a sudden, the cross just exploded uh, in popularity, and uh, not only just in the Northeast, but it's, it's spread all over the country. And it's, you know, maybe 20, 25, 30 years ago, a lot of parents might have said, well, this isn't a growing sport. Maybe my kid can learn lacrosse uh, and play that sport in the spring instead of baseball or softball and get a college scholarship. Well, maybe that worked for some, some kids. But nowadays, since lacrosse is everywhere, it's played all over, uh, you know, everywhere, you know the, all up and down the East Coast, in the Midwest, uh, in, in the Rocky Mountains, in California. Everybody has discovered the magic and the fun of playing lacrosse, and it's just as competitive now as any other sport. But again, that's an example of how things change because back, as Gary said, back in the early 70s, there's no familiarity that much with lacrosse. Now it's everywhere. Simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go to, um, let's go to Rod over in Teaneck. Hey, Rod, you're on the fan. Yes, how you doing? Good, you know, Rod. excellent topic this morning because the, the way sports has gone now for, these, for young kids like my son, it is absolutely terrible because it's so expensive. Yes. My son gets recruited to go to high school, a top high school, for football. He loves playing two sports, football and baseball. Yep. Come to baseball, he's exceptional. Now the coaches are saying, well, where do you play summer ball at? I don't. I play football. <laughs> now he has to change his whole – we have to quit football because he's a pitcher. Yep. So yeah. now he has to get that arm strong all year and get the game experience. And so we, so now you can't play two sports. It's, it's sad, and it's costing me too much money for in the playing a club team. Rod, I tell you something. Uh, the, the, it's not often talked about, uh, but we have sort of touched upon it on the show in years past, and that is that as kids get to be in high school, by the time they're sophomores or juniors, and now they're really begun to, you know, they're getting some attention and some rise to athletic prominence, Sometimes the high school coaches within the same high school will start to feel very sort of uh, protective of their star athletes. And they say, well, I know you play baseball, but we want to really make sure you play football or concentrate on football all year round and do your weight training and so on and so forth. Uh, And then the baseball coach says, yeah, but, you know, you got to play baseball in the summertime when it's hot and sunny and you get it's going to cost you some money. You know, to, to do that, but and you have to put your, your football on the shelf for the time. It's very, very difficult, and unfortunately, uh, this is, again, the parents are caught in the middle because you're trying to do the best for your kid, 
That's right. But you don't know how this is going to play out, and and um, nobody is saying to you, well, you know what, you know, Rod, we're just going to underwrite your kid at this point and make sure that uh, he progresses as a as a pitcher or as a football player. You just don't know. Yeah. And these things didn't exist. These problems didn't happen 20 years ago. It's as simple as that. Exactly. You know, it's thank funny. You. And Rod, thank thank you and good luck with your son because it's nice All that right. he has this great abilities. But somehow yep. he's going to have to figure out what he's going to do, and it's not easy. And one last thing also, it's easy if you put him in a regular public school. But now you're getting the, the, these top private schools uh, that he's in, and it's, it's, it's all about the coach's agenda, not about the kids. I, it's, I, I hate to say that because they all you know, come at you and say, oh, no, 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 we're, we're putting your youngsters' uh, welfare ahead of everything else. Yes. <laughs> but we know better. Human nature isn't like that. The coaches want to win. That's why they're interested in your son. That's why they, they want to make sure that your son goes to their school. Yeah, we know better than that. I mean, that's just, yeah. you can't be that naive. Hey, Rod, thank yeah. you for the call. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, just the other day I was reading the, uh, the, uh, the Journal News, uh, and they do a fine job covering high school sports in, in Westchester and Rockland counties. And, and you know, they presented their, their top or projecting their top uh, high school football players uh, for this coming fall. Uh, and, and it was curious as they went through these little snapshot profiles of each kid. I, I found it uh, kind of telling that as we were talking about how, how big the kid was, what position they played, what high school they went to. The vast majority of them, although they were all top football pro- prospects, they all played something else as well. They were playing lacrosse in the spring or baseball or they were a basketball star. My point being, these are kids who are obviously great high school football players, but they don't specialize. They all play different sports. And, and that's a lesson, again, coming back to a few minutes ago on the show, that the myth of specialization is something I just can't get enough parents to understand that you know, when we hear about things like repetitive use injuries and potential burnout. These are these are functions of kids specializing in just one sport at an early age, uh, and these things didn't happen 20 years ago, but they do now because kids just look upon sport as sort of a job or an obligation to either please mom and dad or to maybe get a college scholarship. And again, that's the essence of fun is being sort of squeezed out of youth sports. And, and that's, that's a major, major concern because the reason why kids play sports to begin with is because it's fun. Let's move on. Let's go to our friend Coach Tom over in North Arlington. Tom, I'm eager to get your thoughts about this subject. So tell me what you think. Hey, morning, Rick. You could run a uh, mini-series on this whole this, this thing alone <laughs> right now. You know, I started making some notes, and I just ran out of paper, so I said, to heck with it. <laughs> just gonna go There's just so much. Um, what you said about the myth of specialization. In our country, it's like you got to start earlier. You know, I, I went to a store the other day. They already had Halloween stuff out. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is this is just the way it is everywhere in the world, in the country. If, oh, if I start off earlier, I get them a step up. I right. get them a step up. Yes. Okay. I want to ask a simple question. All the years I coach, how come I've had so many kids who never played the sport and then they came out in high school for the first time and end up excelling? It wasn't a you know once in a while type of thing. It happened. I would get two or three kids every year. And to me, that tells me that kids, all specialization does in my mind, it puts in the kid's mind whether they're good at a sport or not before their bodies have determined that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And oh, sure. I would say to any parent, if, you know, I, I, you know I was, I've never married any kids, but if I, if I had a kid, I would say, save your money. Don't do anything special. No club teams, no nothing. 
Once you get to the eighth grade, just let him play recreation and do what he wants. Once you get to the seventh or eighth grade, somewhere in there, maybe freshman year in high school, see what he's interested in, which is probably the most important thing. Yep. Okay? See what his body wants. And then all that money you saved, okay, if you want to hire a coach now so he's not behind some of the other kids in your mind, because you, a lot of coaches today don't do that. They won't look at a kid's potential. This is the way I think public school kids are, coaches are going to have to go eventually. Look at that third and fourth best kid on the team. Oh, he hasn't played. He just started. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way I would go with it. I had uh, a quick story. I had, I had a kid, kid, a guy now, stopped over my house, great basketball player for me, specialized in basketball, played in college, said to me, I said, you watch? Because I never watch. He goes, I've gotten into watching baseball. I wish I would have played. I was good in Little League. And then, you know, I specialized, you know, and I wish I would have played. Yeah. You know, and you wonder how many athletes never even tried that sport. You know I, what I'm saying? I, I, I tell you, Tom, that, that's sort of like, uh, as you say, it puts a different kind of perspective on this because we have enough kids now who were specialists, uh, and then they get to be out of high school and then through college, and they say, you know, I wish I I really loved playing baseball as a kid, but I got shuttled off into basketball because I was tall for my age. And, and, I, and yeah. you know. And, and to me, it's you should go, go to excel when you start to get toward your prime because that's when your muscles will, like, if you try to hit a baseball when you're six years old, you may just decide I can't hit it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we both know how hard that is, you know, when you're 16 years old, you know, as as, as opposed to that. And to me, I would wait until a certain – you know, you want to spend for all this stuff, go. But wait until the body is ready for it, and then we won't even get well, into the repetitive muscle stuff like you were talking about. I, I agreed. Hey, Tom, thank Take you. Care. You bet. You know, and, and to Tom's point, you know, we often overlook – and the thing that gets squeezed out of this, two things. One is that when time kids are specialized by the time they're 8, 9, 10 years old, they're not even close to being adolescents. And, we again, we've mentioned this many times in the show – how can you project, you know, how, how a kid's going to develop physically if they're specializing in one sport before they get to be 13 or 14 years old? Look at the difference with the kids in Little League Baseball. You look at what the kids at the Williamsport Tournament, kids who were, you know, 11 and 12, they look like 11 and 12-year-olds. But the few kids who were 13, they look like, 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 like men already. I mean, they just have grown through a growth sport that changes their, their entire physiology. That's something that we have to bear in mind. And the second thing I just mentioned and I think is a key point of all this has to do with fun. Kids go to sports because they perceive them as being fun, enjoyable, something they look forward to doing. If we squeeze that out of uh, our kids, that, that factor of fun, because we're making them specialize at an early age, that's not a good situation to be in. I mean, that, that's flat out, that's not good. All right, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget that uh, nine o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be here, and Ed will be talking baseball on this Labor Day weekend. Make sure you stick around for Ed's uh, very, very thoughtful comments, insights about our national pastime. And as always, I uh, ask you to check out uh, my website and blog at askcoachwolf.com. Also, just a quick heads up: uh, my good friend uh, Dave Kaplan and myself are in the planning stages of putting together a, a seminar, a symposia, uh, on social media uh, and what this means to kids and parents today in terms of athletics. Uh, obviously, this is a development that is new when it comes to uh, sports and, and uh, youth sports today. Uh, anyhow, this uh, so, so social media seminar is going to take place sometime in probably late October over at Montclair State University. I'll have more details for you to come uh, most likely in the next couple of weeks. Right now we're talking about the state of the state of youth sports in this country, and 
We've covered quite a few topics, everything from uh, the cost of club teams to, uh, to specialization issues to to what sports are gaining in popularity, which ones are sort of fading away. We're taking uh, your thoughts and comments on one 337 6666 Let's continue with uh, A.J. over in Princeton. A.J., good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. How are you, A.J.? Um, Rick, I think I've said this to you several times before. I am so glad I grew up when I grew up. <laughs> yes. I, um, yeah, yeah. Different times, <laughs> different uh, places. But, yes, Things were much simpler, much more, uh, much more um, naive, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You know, Rick, I, again, we have these stories how we used to kind of go out and play whatever and, you know, come back when it's dark. Um, I do explicitly remember during the summer um, in a school very close to where I lived, there was a rec program. And that's where I played a lot of baseball. Well, they don't have those kind of rec programs anymore. And it, by the way, it was free. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was free, and 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 even though little league was a, was a small thing, it wasn't anything like it is today. And the more and more I listen to your show, um, I, I have trouble believing what happened to high school sports. Uh, it used to be simple. Uh, you know, there was there was these sports for the fall, sports for the winter, sports for the uh, for the springtime. And there was no hassle about the whole thing. Now it seems like it's a hassle for everything. Well, and it's it's, it's getting I, it's I, it's complicated, AJ. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean things have changed dramatically. Uh, for example, as you said, back in the day, if you were a good athlete and you wanted to to do well in sports, you just run up right up the ladder in a very linear fashion. You played, you know, uh, uh, in high school at the freshman or JV level, and hope that someday to to get to the varsity level. Uh, but nowadays, kids who are good athletes, by the time they're in middle school, they're now having to decide, well, am I going to play for the high school team or am I going to go on and just play for an outside club team? And club teams cost money. Um, that's that's hey, how things have changed. Rick, let me make one, let me make one other comment. And, and you know, you, you definitely read from my script before. The bottom line here was when I was growing up, I played sports for one reason. I loved it. Yep. It was fun. I loved competing. I loved the fact that I was I was good. I mean, I was like five feet, but everybody else was uh, a lot taller. I was always a little guy, um, but I enjoyed myself. And now I consider myself an athlete. I'm in my sixties, and I'm a golf nut. Yeah. Uh, my, but yeah, now I now I specialize. This is one sport I can actually play at this age, and uh, you get to compete. And it's all because of what happened when I was a kid. And I really feel bad for these kids if it's not there for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, AJ, I tell you, we, you live this. We both know things continue to change uh, a lot since when we were growing up. Uh, and as always, I, I thank you for your thoughts. Uh, and, and to AJ's point, how, how things have changed over time, you know, I, and I, I keep coming back to this issue about the, the, the issue of play and, and fun. Um, I... I, I that's again often it gets sort of pushed off to the side but that's the main propellant for kids to play sports because it's fun they may feel good about themselves they learn self-confidence when they compete they they learn how to master certain abilities and learn of course about with team play now we're talking of course primarily on the show this morning about, about the team sports yes we know in certain sports i understand this uh, it's hard to come back and to learn perhaps a new skill 
uh, when you're 14 years old, if you haven't, for example, uh, if you want to be a gymnast, well, you got to start at a much earlier age. Uh, same perhaps with swimming. Certainly ice hockey, it's, learned to, it's difficult to learn how to ice skate when you're already 14 or 15 years old. But for the most part, most of the sports we're talking about here, they have to do with learning skills as you go along and as your body develops and you see where your, where your passion exists. Again, in the, the way the sports are structured in this country now, kids don't have that kind of freedom. Nor do they have the freedom, by the way, to go out and just play in a game when they're a kid in a, in a rec program or in sandlots. To basically just be a kid, to goof off and to to play around and to experiment doing this, that, whatever. Nowadays, if you're playing in a, an organized league when you're eight or nine or ten or twelve, you know, coach, if you start, if you're not playing, playing full attention, you, you're going to be reprimanded by your coach saying, "Hey, you know, get, what are you doing out there? Stay in your toes. Get in the game. Don't you know? Don't." So kids don't have that freedom as perhaps uh, we did growing up. Uh, and, and that's something I also think gets back to the whole concept of having fun. It's got to be seen as having enjoyment and fun, and you just can't equate just winning uh, as meaning having fun. You know, winning, of course, is enjoyable, but fun goes far beyond just going out there and always saying we have to compete and win. And I think, again, that's part of the problem we deal with so many kids today turning away from traditional sports. Let's continue. Let's go with, uh, with Brian over in Howell, New Jersey. Brian, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good, Brian. Uh, Rick, I've been coaching high school uh, baseball for 23 years now, mm-hmm. and I've seen this this huge shift in the dynamic uh, of of player, you know, student athletes, and because of specialization. And it, it's not so much it's not so much you know uh, that they're playing one sport; it's the psychology associated with that sport. And what I mean is. Um, they become desensitized to losing. They have difficulty with, you know, you know, not not starting and failure. And and it's not only the kids, it's the parents as well. Because of all these travel teams, I feel like the kids, you know, they they go about their business and 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 they don't necessarily uh, care as much anymore because they know next week they'll play in another tournament. Yes. Well, that is true, uh, and, and Brian, that's an un- interesting observation that from the kids' perspective, there's always another game, there's always another showcase, there's always another tournament until there isn't. All of a sudden, you know, at, once they graduate from high school or, uh, uh, you know, they, they get to an age, they sort of say, well, I guess that's the end of that. And and the parents, of course, a little different. Parents, being older, know that the, the clock is always ticking, and if they don't get the kind of attention they expect from from either the high school coach or, or the or potential college coaches. After a while, it gets to be the pressure sort of amps up, and the parents sort of say, "What's going on here? What? Why is my kid not getting a, a more of a notice? Or why isn't why is he not getting scouted more?" That's a real concern, which again didn't exist 20, 25 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen in the last four years, I've had probably a dozen kids quit. And not necessarily because of lack of playing time, because they were playing, they weren't having success. You make a move, and all of a sudden, oh, you're taking me out of the starting lineup. I'm quitting. I said, all right, well, that's your prerogative to quit, but you you have, you know, you don't deserve to play. Someone else deserves a chance if you haven't, you know, been successful. Brian, it, it's, 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 it's a, really a challenge. Uh, you know, <laughs> coaching. You're the word, <laughs> I got to be honest. The word you used a few minutes ago was psychology. Yeah, I mean, the kids today, 
by the time they're probably, uh, and you're talking, you know, coaching at the high school level, I'm talking kids by the time they're 12 or 13. Again, coming back to the idea of having fun, if the kids by the time they're 12 years old say, well, I'm not going to be a star. I'm not going to be a, uh, one of the, the can't-miss prospects. So why, why make the effort? Well, because it's right. fun. No, it's not fun. I'm not going to – I'll do something else. So now you're talking about a kid who's the varsity level, and you, you say, well, I'm going to bench you for a few games. Let's have a chance. Well, okay, I'm, I'm gone. I'm not going to play anymore. Why? Well, I'm obviously not going to be a star, so why should I make the effort of spending all my afternoons practicing with a team or being on the team? I mean, it's just like for, 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 for parents and coaches of a certain age, that's like, that's like impossible to deal with. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you tell a kid? Like, I mean, what do you I say? Think parents are, I think parents are somewhat of, uh, are at fault as well because I think there's a level of embarrassment that you know they they probably give a coach or support them in their travel team and there's so many of them now that you know growing up when they were 11 12 13 this kid did play and played you know often and all of a sudden they come up to the high school level oh he's not playing well it's embarrassing to sit next to another father and have a discussion your son's not playing and 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 I've seen it a little bit you know talking to some of the parents saying that's interesting like he was so supportive of the program then once I took his kid out of the game he he was he was done with it I, I, I think that's the essence of what we see now, and obviously you're, you're seeing this, uh, you're living through this, Brian, and it is a concern because, you said, the parents are trying to say, well, I spent a fortune, and my kid played on this outside travel or club team, and his coach on the club team thinks he's great, and now he gets to the high school team, and he's not starting anywhere. He lost his starting position, so to save face, the parents sort of say, well, you know, you don't have to play in the vice, on the varsity team. You can go back playing someplace else, and it's just bizarre. I mean, it's just... It's impossible to deal with that kind of concept because it's such a foreign idea that if you're a serious ball player and you want to compete, why would you walk away from your high school team? It's just absolutely. Brian, thank you for bringing that I up. I appreciate. It's, I appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. And and again, Brian's call is, is and I wish I had more time this morning to, to, to talk about this subject. And I, I apologize to the rest of the callers. I just don't have time for you this morning. But the fact is, Brian's point is right on target. This is typical of what's happening today with youth sports in this country. Kids get to be in the varsity baseball team, play a lot on the outside on club or travel teams, and all of a sudden the coach is saying, uh, you know, why, why, you know, why are you leaving the team? Well, it's, uh, I'm not interested anymore. That is very, very strange. All right, I'll have some final thoughts for you. Stay with me. Well, I wish we had more time to get all the callers this morning. Obviously, this topic is not going away as how youth sports and amateur sports in this country are changing and changing dramatically. We already know that. The question is, are we going in the right direction? That's hard to answer. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Brian Rascona. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.